we're talking about Hanukkah today, and would you believe there's a goat in Hanukkah? <laughs> this would be Alex the goat. We've even named this goat <laughs> Alex the goat. And then technically speaking, uh, in terms of conquerors, he really was the greatest of all time. Uh, Bible scholars believe that the uh, prophet Daniel foresaw the rise of Alexander the Great in the vision he had of this male goat running from the west it's in chapters 8 and 9 of Daniel, all right? So it had this conspicuous horn between its eyes, and the goat destroyed the power of the kings of Media and Persia, which were two horns on a ram. So the goat, Alexander, became exceedingly great, and he did. Eventually, his horn was broken to four kingdoms. What's ironic is Alexander died very young. I think he was 33, and or even maybe even his 20s, maybe 23. And his kingdom passed down to four generals, which was pretty close to the prophecy, right? These little four horns. And... Out of the four horns, a little horn rose out, and that is that Antiochus Epiphanes, who had authority over the glorified land, which was Israel. This little horn greatly magnified itself, cast down some of the stars, the righteous, so he obviously was trying to destroy the Jews, took away the sacrifices, and defiled the sanctuary in Jerusalem. Those were all in the prophecy of Daniel hundreds of years before Alexander the Great rose to, to power. Daniel's prophecy has this little dual aspect, though. This horn refers to a future world leader we call the Antichrist, who would attempt to assimilate all of humanity in this new world order. And, you know, as you look around today, you can really see a lot of that actually going on. It's not like this. Back in the 70s, we were talking about the end of the world, but nothing looked like the end of the world. But now it kind of does. So. And the same thing that this Antiochus Epiphanes did, this defiling the altar, was called the abomination that makes desolation. And uh, Jesus referred to that. And, of course, uh, it's also called the abomination that makes desolation that will be overthrown by Jesus, Yeshua, at the great end of the Great Tribulation. But in Hanukkah, all of this comes to a head with that people group we call the Maccabees. So the Maccabees won a great victory. They should have never won. But sadly, within a few decades, the Jews lost their independence and became subjects to Syria and Greece and finally to Rome. And by 70 A.D., not only was their independence gone, but the Romans utterly destroyed the temple, their oil, and their lamps. And uh, if you remember, I told you when Hanukkah came about, they said it was going to be a forever celebration commanded to celebrate. But obviously, it was a bit of a bust as Hanukkah went because they lost their temple. They couldn't even make a sacrifice. Yet the rabbis of the Talmud identified only two holidays on which a Jew is required, if necessary, to sell his own clothing to observe them properly. One is Passover and one is Hanukkah, interestingly enough. In Numbers 10, it talks about blowing the silver trumpets on the days of joy on your appointed times and on your new moons. New moons happen every month. These special festivals, though, there's only a couple of them. The Jewish people observe dozens of days of joy in honor of great events that took place, you know, through the years. They're listed in a thing called the Scroll of Fasting so that people don't accidentally dishonor the day by fasting during it because it's a day of joy, not fasting. The most important day of joy was called Nicanor Day, which was remembered the decisive battle between Judah the Maccabee and the Seleucid general Nicanor in one. 61 BC. So 
Hanukkah is actually a part of even one of the, the greatest days of joy. But with their final victory, the Maccabees had every reason to declare a joy festival. I mean, you just defeated one of the greatest armies the world ever knew. You ought to declare a day of joy. So they had a significant reason to celebrate. The Maccabees had failed to observe a Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, while they were fighting the Greeks. It took three years, and they beat them just a few months after tabernacles would have happened. So when they liberated the temple, they referred back to the rule in Numbers chapter 9, which says, if someone fails to take part in a Passover sacrifice in the first month of the year, they can observe a second Passover, kind of a do-over in the second month. So they declared a second Sukkot, a second Feast of Tabernacles, as they literally cleansed the tabernacle. So if you want to look at what Sukkot really is, what Hanukkah really is, it's a do-over for the Feast of Tabernacles that they missed. So you can actually go back and just study Feast of Tabernacles, and it's really kind of what you should do as you're celebrating Hanukkah. We're going to show you a little piece by piece as we go through this morning uh, exactly how the glory of God interacted with the temple in dealing with Hanukkah. 